And welcome in to episode number six of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside my teammate, Mr. Ben Metz. And uh, uh, back at it here, uh, post the, the big weekend, uh, basketballs, uh, they're now one and one on this week. But we'll talk about how they necessarily got there. I uh, want to, to kind of recap the last few weeks, but uh, we'll get to that. But Mr. Metz, how you doing, man? Traveling man. I've been down to the Sunshine State. Yeah, went down to... Fort Lauderdale, Florida. My daughter had a volleyball tournament down there. Um, she played very well. I'm very proud of her. Uh, I had the opportunity down there. I talked to you. I was, I was kind of um, starstruck. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, the first baseman for the Detroit Tigers, future Hall of Famer, was down there. Um, and my son was able to get an autograph from him and uh, pick his brain a little bit. Um, and, man, what an experience. And, uh so I'm happy to be back home because the weather back here, it may not be as nice as South Florida, but I have a couple, I have a state uh, between me and the Florida Gator fans. So I'm happy to be back home, buddy. It's always, it's always a good thing. Like I said, I, you've, you went to Florida Lauderdale. I've never been there, uh, but any, any town I've been in, in Florida, uh, it matches the trashy uh, comparison that I that I think that would equate to being a, a Florida Gator fan. So uh, again, not uh, any of my friends that are from Florida. Uh, that's why you're up here now. That's all I can say. Uh, but uh, but excited to to be back at it, grinding here, uh, talking Tennessee basketball again. Uh, as you turn the calendar to January, uh, it's a it's a full push to March uh, for basketball, and then really. Uh, off and running for Tennessee baseball here just shortly. We'll get to both of those uh, in this episode. But, uh, but again, recap, uh, while we've been away, uh, Georgia claims their second straight national championship. Again, uh, third in program history uh, after they just dismantled TCU there in the college football playoff championship game. Uh, a lot can be said there. A lot has been said over the last couple of weeks. But uh, ultimately, uh, George is the gold standard here the last couple of years in college football. And and until somebody changes that, uh, they're king of the castle. I'm not ready to make them the next dynasty, the next Alabama, uh, but I think Kirby Smart's got something good going there in Athens. Yeah, and I heard a, a very interesting um, analogy about Stetson Bennett versus Aaron Murray. You know, which one is Mario and which one is Luigi? Those are your two quarterbacks at the uh, University of Georgia. Which one is the super of the Super Mario Brothers. And and people can criticize Aaron Murray all day long, but at the end of the day, Stetson Bennett is going to beat Bowser, buddy. Well, I think I think Stetson Bennett, as old as he is, he might be Aaron Murray's dad. I, I don't know. But uh, I think uh, as long as Aaron Murray's going to be there, I think he's got he's to work out the rest of his uh, college career at Canes, I think. I think that's the chicken place there in, in Georgia that he's, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's sponsored by. I think the day after the national championship game, he was on commercials. So uh, a lot to be done there. But, uh, again, I think I'd be remiss. And, and, again, things are bigger than sports sometimes. Georgia – uh, after their their national championship celebration, a car accident claimed two of the the Georgia family. Uh, one staffer, one lady staffer, 
uh, for the University of Georgia and one uh, offensive lineman uh, for the University of Georgia. Two others were injured. Looks like they're going to be uh, they're going to recover, uh, but we'll have uh, some st- sustained injuries. Uh, but thoughts and prayers go out to the Georgia football family because at, at, at any rate, uh, what happens yard line to yard line, we're we're all big orange. But uh, when it comes to you know uh, life's being cut short just based on uh, just circumstance, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. No matter what colors you wear on Saturday, so thoughts and prayers go out to Georgia. Yeah, terrible situation. Prayers out to the families. And uh, and again, uh, as we uh, as we turn our, our thoughts to, to the next season, like I kind of spoke about, uh, a lot of people are questioning: Is Georgia the new kings of uh, college football? I think I think for twenty twenty two, absolutely. I mean, I think you win the national championship. Uh, that's where it's at. But uh, I think uh, you know they say, are they the next Alabama? Well, I'm not sure. I don't know that that's a bar that that people need to shoot for. I think just uh, you know being the best version of yourself each and every year should be the game. And then after 15 years, if you're uh, if you're averaging more than 10, 11 wins a year, then yeah, compare them to to Nick Saban's Alabama. But right now, I think Kirby Smart is is by far uh, one of the top two or three coaches in college football, and he's got to be be proud of that. Uh, but like I said, I'm uh, I'm all orange on this side, so I'm waiting for the hype train to 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 kind of kind of roll up on some of that and maybe crash some parties here and there. Yeah, and there's a lot of turnover at quarterback in the SEC. I think we talked about that a little bit in the last podcast. But Georgia historically has not been um, well well renowned for their development of quarterbacks. And in the SEC, you look at Spencer Rattler coming back for South Carolina. You look at the situation that Tennessee has uh, with Joe Milton and the young quarterback Nico, uh, but with but with with Joe Milton coming back an experienced quarterback, that kind of gives Tennessee a little bit of an upper hand in the East um, if we can get all the pieces together. Yeah, I think Bryce Young graduating, Stetson Bennett graduating, uh, Spencer Rattler and Joe Milton are probably some like leaders in the clubhouse, if you will, of, of best returners in the East at, at the very least. And so we'll just see kind of how that pans out. But uh, kind of flip script, like I said, the calendar now reads January. So let's talk a little Tennessee basketball. Uh, again, a, a super hot start to SEC play 4-0 uh, to start conference play, uh, kind of tail end of December, but then uh, started a couple there in in, in January. Uh, Cats came to town this past Saturday, uh, Knoxville matchup. Huge day for Rocky Top, a noon tip-off, uh, Chris Lofton's jersey to be retired. Uh, if you don't know Chris Lofton, you should. Uh, Google him to get the details, but basically uh, the, the SEC leader in made three points three-pointers uh, in history of the Southeastern Conference, by far the, the best shooter in Tennessee basketball history, uh, hailed from the state of Kentucky, uh, raised a bluegrass guy, but uh, all big orange now. Uh, his jersey number, number five, uh, was raised to the rafters this past Saturday at halftime. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, all those things were lined up, a sold-out TBA, uh, but Tennessee drops uh, the the first match, their first SEC uh, game of the year uh, to John Calipari's Kentucky Cats. Yeah, that game against the Kittens, man. I'm telling you, like, I was excited because Lofto's getting his number retired. This is a guy that was plucked out of the rough orphanage, you know. He's coming down here to Tennessee. He's leaving the Bluegrass State. And and you mentioned it. He, leaves in, he leads in every category. Uh, for three pointers at the University of Tennessee, he leaves and he leads and or he's 
first he's in the top five in a lot of scoring categories as well. But I think all time behind Allen Houston and Ernie Grunfield, he's probably number three. You could argue, you know, Bernard King's up there. You could argue Dale Dale Ellis. You could get C.J. Watson into it. Uh, Tony White. These are all guys you could put in there. But what Lofton did in his career is pretty exceptional. Um, we go into the game. And, uh, you know, when you got into the game, not getting into too much detail right now on that, but uh, we just couldn't hit the three-pointer. Uh, they were 25 for 22 from free throws. Um, you know, you had guys that were getting lots of minutes like Vescovy, couldn't hit a shot. Phillips had two points. Uh, Key had seven points. Zig had seven, six points in 27 minutes. Uh, so we got cold in Thompson Bowling Arena. Um, and, and we were out-rebounded, 43 rebounds to their 23. But let's look at the positive Bo Rat himself. Uh, <laughs> your Rose yeah. uh, had those 19 points for us, Wayne. So uh, we got to take that positive because we're going to need that down low. We're going to need that down low effort uh, because there's going to be games where we can't hit that three. Well, and, and you know, that's, that's been our, our MO for the last two or three years is live and die by the three. We've lived more than we've died. Uh, just unfortunately at the, the moments we don't want to is when we, we seem to go cold. But uh, back to Chris Lofton, uh, another thing that I thought was huge for Tennessee basketball and historically uh, just to have some people in the house uh, to, to raise that banner. Uh, Candace Parker was in the house. Uh, Alan Houston was in the house. Uh, you, you saw a lot of uh, a lot of family. I think he had more than 150 people uh, there on uh, on his record or on his dime, if you will, uh, to see this. Uh, just a just a great guy. I've met him a couple times. Uh, he is not the uh, he is not look at me. He he's very much. Uh, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, go to work. Do your job. Uh, don't make it about you. Uh, you know, this is a guy that, that while he was at the University of Tennessee, diagnosed with testicular cancer, uh, didn't tell anybody. I think he told Bruce Pearl, and that was about it. He went to treatment, went and got his shots up, went to, to class, did everything really in the shadows, if you will, and uh, all in, a, in, in, like I said, a, a historic campaign there in his four years in Knoxville. And uh, it's good to see that he's finally been rewarded. Uh, Jersey retired. Uh Maybe not the tallest kid that's ever played for Tennessee basketball. Maybe not the most NBA uh, prospect or build uh, that's ever played in Knoxville. But I would argue uh, maybe one of the bigger hearts that's played in Knoxville and effort and in the face of a lot of change. You know, a lot of people don't remember this, but uh, Bruce Pearl didn't bring Chris Lofton to, to Knoxville. Buzz Peterson brought him to Knoxville. And uh, ultimately, he uh, he benefited from the first few years there with, with Bruce uh, he and uh, uh, Dane Bradshaw. Dane Bradshaw became a, a glue man, came sixth man of the year in the Southeastern Conference under Bruce Pearl. So I think just in a lot of uh, grassroots time for Tennessee basketball, you know, it looks like, you know, after Rick Barnes has been there, the time that he's been there, uh, you know, some of the successes that, uh, you know, the Elite Eight that Conzo took us to, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of success over the last maybe 15, 20 years of Tennessee basketball. But ultimately, it all started with a with a little kid from Kentucky, uh, really rocking it out in Knoxville. And let's not forget that you know we we talk a lot as fans about the game of basketball and de and the desire to have a pure shooter on your team. This was the last pure shooter at the University of Tennessee. That's my opinion. He was the last pure shooter, 
Had oh, honestly, I, I think the only one that's close is probably Vescovy right now. Yeah, and and if you go into the record book and you look at it, this is a guy who, in three different seasons, shot more, uh, shot better three point percentage, better three point, more three pointers in a in a regular season than Vescovy ever even came close to. Not to mention, not to mention, this is a guy who has hit nine nine three pointers in one ball game in two thousand six. Okay, it's 2022, nine three-pointers in a game. If you go out in the driveway right now and you say, I'm going I'm to hit nine three-pointers, you'll be out there all night. Now, me, I, I might be out there till about, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, but you'll be out there all night. I'll be out there all night. I've got a basketball hoop on the back of my door right here, and I bet you I can't hit, I can't hit nine from across the room, let alone a <laughs> three-point shot. But, uh, but Ben, yeah, I think if if you look at it, if my memory serves me correct, when he graduated, uh, he was only behind JJ Redick nationally uh, for three pointers made uh, in his career. So yeah, a, an amazing kid. Like I said, of uh, all nation showed out of the history, the uh, the royalty of of Tennessee basketball, Lady Ball basketball was was in the house. Uh, anytime you have Candace Parker, I mean that's the. That's the last great thing, right? When you talk about the the finale of Pat Summit's greatness, her her great run uh, to those eight national championships, two of those uh, had Candace Parker at the at the controls. So uh, you know, I, I love seeing her, and she's turned into just she's a great pro. Uh, she'll probably be go down as top five in WNBA history uh, all time, you know, and that's that's uh, that's some pretty high regard as well. But uh, again, Chris Lofton in the house. Not sure if that had impact on the on the basketball game from a psychological standpoint, uh, but just quite frankly, cold from the three point line, uh, very undisciplined on the, on the rebounding side of things. Uh, some fouls that really got us out of rhythm early. Had to make us use different lineups that we weren't really used to, and ultimately, the cats uh, beat and banged around long enough. Uh, that Tennessee gave them an advantage, and they just kind of held to it. He knocked down their free throws. We talked about that. But ultimately, Calipari, uh, even though I don't like him, I think he's I think he's as slimy as his hair is. Uh, but I think ultimately, when his back's against the wall, he knows how to get these kids to play hard for him. And they did that uh, in Knoxville Saturday night. They get out of there with a win. Uh, but I, I don't think this, uh, this rivalry is over for the year. I think when we go to Rupp, uh, we'll remember – uh, you know the physicality. We'll remember the what could have beens, and we'll uh, we'll we'll get back on track. Uh, the the stat that I I kind of coin. I know I know the rebounds are, are are a big stat. I know the free throws are huge. Uh, but my biggest stat is is Juros Plavsic, uh had 19 points, and he didn't have his first rebound until about eight to ten minutes to go in the in the basketball game. So to me, that what we were having to give up on the rebounding. Uh, just to be able to to compete with uh, you know Oscar Shibway and those uh, those rim attackers for the Cats, I think it just really took us out of our game. We weren't hot from the three point line, and when when you live and you you really rely on that, you just don't have cutters that can do what you need to do. I thought I thought uh, like you said, uh, Vescovy hit the deck early in that basketball game, kind of twinked his shoulder. I think that impacted his ability later in the week. Obviously, didn't go. Uh, play in Starkville. Uh, I thought uh, Ziggy, uh, he was hearing footsteps uh, probably for the first time I've ever seen him do that. Uh, he had some transition baskets that normally are, are automatic, and he rushed shots, bounced them off the rim. Uh, just uh, I think we missed six or seven layups. So uh, just not characteristic of Tennessee basketball. And like I told everybody 
uh, Saturday night, Sunday, because it just seems like they never call me when when we win and get my opinion, but they want to know what I'm thinking uh, when we lose. And I told everybody, I said, well, we can we can let this be the new us, or we can put it in the book and just build out of it. And then, uh, if if the way we went to Starkville means anything, I think we build out of it. So the silver lining for me too was what you said with Euros having that pointage, but not only him having that pointage, but Kemwa having some uh, high points in previous weeks. Um, because what we saw in the Kentucky game, and we're starting to see this in other games uh, very similar that we've lost throughout the season, the Arizona and the Colorado game, is we have to establish some point scoring down at the post area. Um, relying on three-point shooting and having that pure shooter like Chris Lofton, a guy that, you know, against that Texas game uh, where he shot over Kevin Durant with 22 seconds left after Chisholm laid that screen. That was his seventh three-pointer that he hit in the game on 15 attempts. So we don't have that pure shooter. Uh, we don't have that Jimmy Chitwood that Norman Dale had, uh, we've got Ollie, and we've got, uh, what's the name of the other guy, uh, uh, Slick or Slack? So <laughs> the guy who, I can't remember the name of the guy who uh, he'd say a prayer, a strap, strap, he'd say a prayer, and you wanted a 20-second timeout, and you end up having to take a 40-second timeout because he, uh, he held up the timeout. But. You know, I, I don't know, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's a it's a microcosm of a lot of different things. I think when Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, you know, hit the floor, it's just a it's it's a matter of of who's got the stronger will, uh, which set of eyes uh, the referees seem to want to bring that night, all all the different things. Uh, but ultimately, it just wasn't our day there in Knoxville against the Cats. But again, talk about silver linings, talk about positives to bring out of that. Uh, it would have been real easy for the wheels to completely fall off of this wagon. And us to go to Starkville, all of a sudden we've lost two in a row, national media and, and even maybe local. Uh, question, is Tennessee even even as good as we thought they were? Or were they just a, a benefactor of a, of a pretty uh, just easy start to a conference slate? So go to Stark Vegas. Uh, it, honestly, when I turned it on the other night, Vescovy in street clothes. Uh, you saw Key in street clothes. Uh, you saw uh, – Eurosh still had those little, uh, I called them those uh, those hickeys on his arm uh, where he had those cups going. Uh, and they go to Stark Vegas and, uh, you know, really get it done uh, on a uh, on an undermanned group. And you saw Ziggy uh, really, um, I, I, I don't want to say atone for a bad performance because I think he leaves his heart out there every time he plays, but plays wire to wire, plays 40 full minutes. Um, and, and really, at the end of that game, I think he had fuel left in the tank. Uh, he takes the balls on their sh- on his shoulders. They battle early uh, ticky-tack fouls and just outlast the uh, a, a really aggressive bunch from Mississippi State, but go on the road and get an 11-point 11, 11 victory uh, in SEC play. That, that's, that says it all right there. Yeah, you said it uh, about Ziggy and his performance. I mean, the first half, 23 points. The second half, Tennessee comes around, gets 47 points. They go from shooting two for 15 on three-pointer in the first half, two, two of 15. And then they shoot nine more in the second half. They go eight for nine. They shoot almost 90% from three-point land. 
a lot of that was Ziggy. He gets the 40 minutes, the 24 points. I don't know if that was a season high or career high for him, um, but he was shooting a lot of balls with with hands. Uh, you can't even say hands in, in his face because of how short he is. It was like shoes in face, and he still <laughs> somehow gets it off and hits a three-pointer. Um, but yeah, I you think know, he only had six points in the first half. I had, had 18 in the second half. Yeah, I mean, just a ridiculous performance. And, uh, you know, you think about that first half, because I was pretty – you and I were texting back and forth. I was pretty sick to my stomach. And I'm thinking, you know, we're on the road and we're going to lose to this opponent. We got LSU next week. We got some pretty big opponents coming up. And we come back. We establish ourselves. Josiah Jordan-James drew a couple charges. I thought that were really pretty incredible. I mean – position his feet, draw that, draw that charge, turn over the basketball. We come back at halftime, tie up the ball game, 23 all, come out of the locker room. We start playing a rotation. Did you notice, Wayne, the rotation? There was a rotation out there that, that was working, and then there was a rotation that wasn't working. Like there was one with mm. a Waka was in there. Uh, Mayshack was in there with a Waka. And you had Ziggler on the bench, and and it was, uh, I mean, it was just there were certain rotations that were not clicking. Uh, yeah, I don't know and, if, and I don't I know think, if you saw but, that. Uh, when you don't have uh, when you don't have Escovy on the floor, uh, that starting lineup's gonna gonna struggle a little bit. So you're really just trying to find something. And I think uh, when we ran the bigger lineup, I think Awaka. Uh, when you talk about athletic uh, floor to ceiling, he's probably he may be one of our more athletic kids on the floor, but. Uh, he's he's kind of like I don't know if you remember Brian Williams from back in the day. I always called him Big Puppy because it was always like his paws were too big for what he what we were needing him to do. He just always got fouls when he didn't need one. Uh, he couldn't rebound when he was right. He jumped too early. There was all kinds of things. So I think Awaka he is a work in progress that you can be really excited about. Mayshack I like him defensively, but I think he give up a ton of offense. He, he's just not. You you could pass it out to him at the three point line and nobody will go out there with him. I think that's where he's at. Uh, and then I think, you know, some of those other kids uh, just struggled at times uh, just with the moment. I think uh, Kumwa didn't have his best day. I think he got some key rebounds late that helped us. Uh, but I thought he got in some foul trouble early in that game that I was nervous I was going to take him out of that one. Uh, but, I, you know, I think uh, it's good to have some adversity. I'll always say that, especially in non-football sports. Uh, you know, it seems like in football you don't have any room for error. You just got to be perfect if you want to want want to prove that you can be there. Uh, in basketball, baseball, uh, soccer, any of those sports, uh, you don't have to win them all. And, and I think you know when you lose to a Kentucky, you've got two options. Uh, I, I labeled it here uh, Tennessee's get back. You know, I think you had a, an opportunity to go on the road and go. Well, we lost to Kentucky, so we just you know honestly, it's just hard. And and Vescovy and and, and Key's not in the lineup, so we've got an excuse. Well, let's just lay on that excuse and just die. Well, I think Rick Barnes wasn't going to have that. Uh, he he demands more out of those kids. Uh, when they made a mistake, he jerked somebody out, um, put somebody else in there. And honestly, uh, it was night and day for for, for guys like Phillips, uh, for guys like Adu, uh, and, and, and frankly, guys like Zakai Ziegler uh, from Kentucky to Mississippi State. Not only did they play better basketball, but they played with more leadership, and I, and I think Tennessee uh, they can't uh, they they can rely on on Vescovy uh, to be kind of the leader, 
Uh, but I think when he's out of the rotation, we can't we can't give up you know uh, points and and rebounds just because there's one guy off the floor. Yeah, and going to this topic right here, Wayne, um, I think the tale of two halves. This kind of tells us how the season's going to go. I think about that magic eight ball that you shake up. And if you shake that magic eight ball up and it says that you're going to shoot a low percentage of three-pointers, this team is not going to be successful. So the first half showed us that if we go out and we shoot 15 three-pointers and we go two for 15 and 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 have a poor day behind the arc, we're going to struggle to win the ball ballgame. Um, we're in the second half. If we can establish – uh, the three-point game, and we did it with Kim Wah. We did it with Josiah Jordan-James. Ziegler had a couple from out there, um, and and they had to respect the three-pointer. They couldn't pack the box. Calipari said earlier in the week in the Fine Bomb show that one of his coaches came up to him and said, hey, pack the box, make them shoot the three. We'll die. If they beat us at three-point land, they beat us at three-point land, but let's pack the box. And Calipari said, and I'm not going to quote him exactly, but he said he went with him. And his coach was right. Um, we couldn't hit the three-pointer, and we can't do anything down low in the box. Um, so, I think I think what we found out in this in this this game down in Mississippi is this is our team. This is our team's identity. We have to shoot a high percentage from from the, from the arc in order to establish something down low for our big man. And the good thing is, is unlike in other years where we only had one or two shooters, really, I mean between. Uh, Josiah Jordan-James, Vescovy, Ziegler, uh, Key. Uh, we have a, a pretty good multitude. Phillips, I think it could become a three-point shooter. And, you know, I think there's enough guys that you don't need them all to be hot. You just need one guy to probably pop a dozen, and you can put yourself in a great position to win games. But, uh, but Ben, kind of uh, to kind of close this up, and I think we, uh, we're, we're progressing toward maybe our, our most, uh, most uh, attained timeline uh, of any episode to this point, but I, I watched that. Uh, I watched that Kentucky game with with my little boys, you know, Jackson and Nealon. And, and again, I thought they did a great job. I think anytime I'm as frustrated as I am uh, when we're not doing well, uh, them to stick in there with me is a testament to what they're, how they're growing, and now they're becoming Tennessee fans. But they made a they made a comment when you know things weren't necessarily going our way, and uh, it made me kind of kind of think through a topic and, and kind of getting your, your perspective because you've got two young ones too. Uh, and, and I think we're living in a time that makes this difficult. But uh, why is it so hard to be a Tennessee fan? You know, and, and when we were watching that game and, and Kentucky had kind of found themselves and, and they're, they're kind of doing their thing, and it seems like every time we have a chance to, to cut it to one or whatever, we foul them or they hit a shot or, or something like that. And, and uh, – can't remember if it's Jackson or Neyland, but he looks at me and he says, he says, it's just tough sometimes, isn't it? And I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. But then we, we, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, you know, cause they're eight and 10. And so really the, the concept of fandom is not in their, they don't, they don't understand that yet. They, it doesn't bother them to lose a ball game. It doesn't, impact them the way it does me you know uh likewise we were we were going to cut a podcast last saturday and i called it off because i wasn't ready to talk about that game i mean it was i'll uh, i'll claim it you know what i'm saying but uh at the same rate uh i think in the time and, and date we're living it's hard to it's hard to create or or explain 
to young people allegiance and what it means to to lock stock and barrel blood sweat and tears you know lock into a team and and you know i think i've done a pretty good job i mean neyland doesn't have an option he's named after the general and uh and and jackson you know i told him i said uh i said you can go to school anywhere you want i'll just only pay for one uh, so i mean we've laid the the groundwork the laws are down but uh total joke there for anybody who takes that real serious. uh but um you know i think it's a you know what have you done for me lately uh nil um if i don't like it hit the transfer portal world i think it's something that people really have to look at is is don't assume people understand what allegiance means anymore um mm-hmm. because really you know we talked about it off air today and, and in other other times um okay our team's sucking right now well let's just oh these three teams are they've been good for the last couple of years let's just pick one of those and really for our young kids that's not to us that's foreign to us that's some kind of blasphemy right mm-hmm. um that's not the world we live in so uh to to kind of answer the first part of this is how why is it so hard to be a Tennessee fan is it's because you know we're we're the we're the path less traveled you know Tennessee isn't necessarily a Georgia a Florida a Texas a California as far as talent rich areas of the country uh, so I think that is an impactful uh, piece of of why Tennessee uh, it takes more to be really, really good here at Tennessee. Uh, but I also think that means that's why it's sweeter when we are good. Uh, you know, we looked at the late 80s uh, all the way through the 90s, the dynasty that was, uh, you know, the big orange expedition, all those things that the 90s were. We were the winningest team in the 90s. So there's an example. There is a baseline that says Tennessee can be good, and we have been good at other things. And and just frankly, in the last calendar year, uh, the Tennessee baseball has been ranked number one in the country. Tennessee football has been ranked number one in the country. And Tennessee basketball has been ranked number one in the country. So uh, I don't think we're too far off. But I think uh, being a Tennessee fan, it's not all uh, sunshine and rainbows. Uh, you, you've got to understand that adversity will hit. And uh, I don't know why, but uh, a lot of times adversity takes I-40 and takes about exit 389. Yeah. Well, we talked – again, we talked about it. I think that uh... – I think we live in a society where um, we live in a society of convenience. We live in a society of instant gratification, those two components. Um, so when you and I were growing up, uh, I think about, uh, you know, I, I had to apply at the University of Tennessee. I had to put together a, a written application and, and turn in a, a notebook like this and, and go stamp it and mail it to the University of Tennessee. Nowadays, these kids put together a PDF. Um, they have it electronically sent. Uh, you have uh, cellular devices that can access information quickly. Instant gratification. Uh, if you're not satisfied with something, you can you can complain about it, and you're 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 rewarded when you complain about things. Um, so I, I think a lot of that has to do with the society that kids are growing up in. Um, it's easy if something doesn't go your way to make a change, to make a change and not hold allegiance. Um, when we were growing up, if things went wrong, you couldn't do that. You know, you couldn't say, well, I'm not, I'm not playing baseball at, uh, at high school. I'm not starting. I, I didn't get picked on my freshman team. I got, I went through six cuts and didn't get picked. I was the last kid to get cut. 
And I knew I was a, a strong baseball player. I didn't have the option to go play baseball at another school. I had to I had to work hard, ride it out, and and it made me a better ball player. But I, I feel like today in today's society, Wayne, it's just easier to say, you know what, I'm gonna go on Fanatics. I'm gonna pay a hundred bucks, and guess what? I am a I'm an instant Georgia Bulldog fan. You know, yeah, insert insert team here. But uh, yeah. you know, I I, uh, I and it's weird. You know, we're at that weird age, Ben, that like. We're not well. It's according to who you ask. We're not old, but we're not young anymore. And and I uh, I don't normally blame social media because I think it has its its definite powerpoints, right? That it can they can influence things for a good good cause. Yeah. But I remember, I guess, growing up uh, when you were talking about Tennessee football. Okay, you know, I remember when we got smashed in the Orange Bowl, Peyton's last game as a Tennessee Volunteer. I don't remember. Uh, turning on the TV and hearing Paul Feinbaum bash Peyton Manning. I, I don't remember going on, on social media and them questioning uh, Philip Fulmer or David Cutcliffe's calls in that in that game. I, I don't remember that. I remember listening to uh, John Ward call the game. I, I remember him and, and, and Bill Anderson, you know, kind of talking through, uh, you know, what went right, what went wrong. They still had a player of the game. They they. They talked about what the next season looks like, who, you know, who's returning, who's not, Al Wilson's senior year, blah, blah, blah. And I watched the Philip Fulmer show the next day and and all was well. I mean, I just let Tennessee people tell me what Tennessee was. I didn't listen to national media. And uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that that ESPN or the big box stores, whatever you want to call them, are the problem, but I'm gonna tell you when when your young people, the only uh, broadcasters are the only people that they listen to are national people. And, and really, frankly, all they are getting paid to do is not report the news, not uh, paint a pretty picture, but to get as many clicks as they can get. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to live in any one, in, in any one way. I mean, I, I think about, um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, just coaching, uh, you know, Pat Summit, a lot of it's been said by by Holly Warlick. It's been said by Kelly Harper. Uh, it's been said by Dean Lockwood. Anybody that would listen that was a coach with Pat Summit said she couldn't coach now. Uh, one, because the media is going to chew her up. But two, the, the athlete isn't isn't going to be able to uh, withstand the level of intensity that she brought to the court. So uh, I think it's a different time and, and place. I, I think social media and media uh, personalities in general. Uh, you know, I remember back in just the 90s, I don't remember uh, just there being a strong personality presence. There wasn't a, not that I love these guys. One's a Tennessee alum, Marty and McGee. You know, I, there wasn't a, there, that top show didn't exist. Stephen A. Smith probably still is loud, but uh, not did not have the platform that he does. Paul Feinbaum, I'm pretty sure, was a radio guy in Alabama. Uh, I never, I didn't hear anything from him. Uh, really, we were we were privy to to John Adams of the New Sentinel. Not that I was always happy with his articles, uh, but uh, I was privy to uh, uh, you know old Schleicher or whatever. He was the the guy that really did his thing at the Knoxville News Sentinel. Jimmy Himes, uh, Bob Kessling, uh, of course John Ward, uh, Bill Anderson, and that crew. And really, I turned it off. Like I didn't need anything else. Because they told me what we did wrong, how we were going to fix it, and I waited till next Saturday and didn't have an outlet to look at it. 
Yeah, and sometimes if you didn't pay the money to get Jefferson Pilot Sports on a Saturday, you may not know what happened at the ball game unless somebody attended and come tell you. Yeah, I remember, you know, when we had, you remember when we used to Tennessee games, used to, there was a pay per view game or two every year. Yeah. I just, I, I remember you'd have to find a restaurant that would have it because dad wasn't getting it. Uh, dad, That's dad, right. uh, you know, I think uh, if he didn't have a few bucks on it, uh, he wouldn't buying it. So uh, I don't know. I, I think the time we live in, it's 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 important that people. Uh, I don't care who you you root for. If you're from Kentucky, you should like Kentucky. We'll let you like Tennessee if you want to, but you should like your home state. Uh, but I think it's important just people. And I'm not I'm not here soapboxing or whatever. But allegiance, you know, it's like common sense isn't common anymore. Well, allegiance isn't common anymore. People. People jump ship more than they'd like. I know a guy right now that's never been in the state of Alabama, and he's an Alabama fan. He was born and raised in Blunt County. Golly, that's terrible. There's a lot. There's a lot wrong with that, but I ain't got enough time to talk about it. But going briefly into like down here at this next point, Wayne, um, how do you, with that being said? How do we further the Big Orange Kingdom? Okay, and you you talk to your boys about it. I've talked to Tyson and Elliot about it. Um, that fifty two forty nine win over Alabama, it wasn't just that evening. Um, it goes all the way back through the losses. You know, each loss, all the emotions that I experienced as a fan leading up to that ball game, every game prior to us snapping that streak. I had the what if feeling. And then I'd go to bed at night disappointed. And that 5249, that emotion was gone. It was behind me. And 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 we were kings uh, of of college football that evening. And uh I won't forget that feeling. I won't forget uh sharing a cigar with my father in law, my brother in law, in pure celebration. I think it's important yeah, yeah. for us as fans with the younger generation is to, to, to explain legions um, and the importance of loyalty because it's going to hurt and there's going to be years and years of losses. Uh, but when that win does happen, it's your night. Well, and, and yeah, and I think grind it out, stick it out. Those are, those are terms I like to use is it's uh and it's what I say with anything, you know, it's easy when things are cool. Like, I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure I could be president of the United States if the economy was good. We weren't in any kind of war, and everybody liked us. You know, I think I could I could pull that job off, but I, I'm not naive enough to think that that's how it rolls. You know, uh, it's like being a Tennessee fan. Uh, if if we could just come out here and roll Georgia, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama every year, and just really mop the floor with everybody else, well, everybody be a Tennessee fan. Uh, and, and at one time in, in my life, I felt like the world was, uh, you know, in, in the late nineties, uh, you didn't go very far without, I remember when Walmart used to sell Tennessee shoes and you, my dad would literally, we'd have to, we'd have talked to a lady that worked at Walmart to find out when they were getting them. Cause he wanted them that bad. And it's just, you know, fandom is, is, is kind of a, a fly by night thing. You know, I don't know that I, I don't blame that on any one thing. I just think it's, it's society. There's so many more screens to look at there's so many more shows to watch there's so many more subscriptions and and watch it when you want to type things and and i and i think honestly uh hd tv's kind of taking some fandom away from people because nobody nobody cares to sit in a stadium anymore and and 
you know, pay, pay $6 for a hot dog. And, and when you beat Alabama, that was the best hot dog you've ever eaten. Yeah. And, and just to explain that feeling of pure victory, that pure, pure victory feeling. Um, I was flying back from Fort Lauderdale to Atlanta. Guy gets on the airplane. He's wearing a Georgia red shirt, Georgia red hat. He gets on the airplane. He says, how about them dogs? And he chants, how about them dogs to somebody two rows back? And I turned uh, to my father-in-law, who was sitting next to me, diehard Tennessee fan. I said, I know that feeling. I've been there. And he's earned it. And he's earned it. And that's 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 what we have to teach this younger generation is when you get to that point, you've earned it, you wear it with pride, and you celebrate. And you, you celebrate as much as you possibly can because right around that corner, it's going to be heartache, and you're going to have to fight through it again. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's kind of the the old baseball adage, right? Uh, you know, you're going to fail seventy percent of the time, and you may still go to the Hall of Fame. So as a, as a fan, you just got to grind through the the bad times just to uh, hope and 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 kind of be ready to celebrate those good times. So if you're if you're out there and you're like, I I, I won't get the the last fifteen minutes back. That's that's just time wasted. Well, I hate that. Uh, I'd watch it again when you're uh, a little bit more attentive. I, I think it's something to be to be said uh, if you if you're not committed uh then then i appreciate you listening for the first 35 minutes but uh, i'm a, i'm an advocate trying to get people back on track that uh sometimes it's it's uh the past the path less traveled is worth it because of the uh the sweetness of victory right uh when it finally does happen but uh but ben a lot has been said uh we've talked a lot of tennessee basketball got got a lot more to talk hopefully uh through the month of march and and maybe early april uh, if we can uh if we can keep uh, stringing together some of those victories uh but at the end of the day uh, our time here on episode six has kind of come to a close this week's big time grind again just something that uh just try to uh tweak ben's mind and kind of talk through uh, which direction we're really leaning right about now. And, uh, and right now it's, uh, it's the tale of two, just uh, hot situations. Which one are we more excited about? And uh, what we've talked about most of the day is, uh, is t- Tennessee basketball uh, possibly making a deep March Madness run. Again, consistency is going to be the dictator of that, uh, of that reality. But ultimately, uh, in the D1 baseball most recent uh, rankings, preseason rankings, your number two baseballs will be hitting the diamond here in uh, in the month of February. What's your uh, what you are you more excited about uh, the future of Tennessee basketball, the depth that is Rick Barnes' bruisers right now, or is it Tony V and the bunch, the uh, the home run kings? I don't want people to think that I don't have confidence in our basketball team. That's not the case. Uh, when I look at this this grind, this week's grind, I'm looking at what. What I'm excited about in the upcoming weeks and what I'm really excited about is, is our baseball balls. Um, we've got a lot of big transfers coming in that are filling in gaps. You've got that Maui Auna guy from Kansas coming in to fill in the shortstop opening we have. I think Blake Burke's going to have a big season, uh, our big first baseman. Uh, Jarrell Ortega back, uh, Jared Dickey. Um, I, I've got a really – and we're going to play Arkansas this season at Arkansas. How exciting – and how much are we looking forward to that game in that stadium? Um, so I've got a lot of anticipation for the baseball balls. My concerns about the basketball team 
are strictly tied to what we saw in the first half of the Mississippi State game and the second half of the Mississippi State game. This seems somewhat of a repeat of last season. If we are unable to shoot the ball well from three-point land, we're not going to be successful in the tournament. If, if that's the game plan going in the tournament, we've seen it with Auburn and Bruce Pearl's teams, you're going to have a night where you're going to go cold, and you better have them big men score some points. And right now, I'm not seeing it. I've seen some glimpses with, uh, like you said, with uh, with our boy Euros, and we've seen Kemwa have some big points, uh, but we need to see some more consistency, and I'm just not seeing it right now. I have um, all the confidence in our basketball team, but I'm excited about those baseball balls. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the here and now is is Tennessee basketball, and uh, and I'm a sucker for a heartbreak, uh, so I'm gonna roll with the basketball team. I, I just think you know. Uh, we talk about the Serbian killer. We talk about Euros Plovsic. We talk about uh, Viscovi. Uh, we talk about, you know, uh, Kumwa. We talk about Triple J. You know, if all of them play great, uh, Zakai Ziegler, we talk about all these kids. And if Phillips can be a one-and-donner that we think he is, uh, I think uh, it's about putting the pieces together uh, to find that, uh, that perfect switch uh, to flip there in March. And so I think it's out there to be had. Uh, again, Rick Barnes uh, last year kind of got a monkey off his back, got a conference championship in the tournament. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a piece. All these the, the members of this team, uh, barring Phillips and Key, uh, were on that team that kind of ground out that time in Tampa. So uh, to me, I think uh, we may have to take our lumps here in the regular season, uh, try those different uh, lineups that we talked about that weren't necessarily as successful, and then come March, if we need six good minutes with that lineup out there, we can grind it out and beat some people up. So uh, I like this basketball team. Uh, like I said, I'm a sucker for a heartbreak, so I'm going to ride with them till I can't. But uh, that doesn't take anything away from Tony V and the boys. I'm uh, I'm excited for what the Diamond's going to look like. And, 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 and really, you know, I think uh, unlike previous years for Tony V, he doesn't have to climb to that top ranking. I mean, a couple series in and one slip up by number one. I think LSU's ranked number one right now, and uh, and Tennessee could be number one in the country early in, in this season. Okay, now time for the alternate ending. <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. And uh, if you don't know that, you need to watch Wayne's World. Turn this podcast off and watch Wayne's World right now now but uh but ben uh, it's been a good show uh, again chris lofton's jersey retired uh again recapped a little bit of the college football playoff championship closed out 2022 there uh, and then look ahead drop the game to kentucky but rebound and grind out the win in stark vegas uh tennessee basketball is one of those things that you got to live on every game and enjoy what you got but until next time i like that we're going to fist bump and uh, move it to next week. But until then, guys, be be safe, take care. And that's right, grind on.